This is the Chicago Podcast Network. Hey everybody, thank you for downloading this episode of Out Front with AJ and Nick. I am Nick Sorrentos, joined over the interwebs and Skype by my good buddy AJ Signary. AJ, say hello to the people. Hey people. There he is, folks. Doing what he does so well from so very far away. And a galaxy far away, if you want to be so. Uh, AJ, I wanted to ask you, before we get started on anything else, did you happen to notice that our little uh, Facebook page there got quite the little bump yesterday? Well, I mean, I knew we would eventually get people, but not like 1.3 million people. We're actually up to 1.5 as of an hour ago. See, see, I'm not even caught up with the numbers now. If we hit 2 million, man, I don't even know what happens. Do we get like a, like an award? Do we get like a little pendant to wear that you're, you you hit over 2 million? What I, what I can realize, though, is that there are people who do this every day. They get these numbers every day, and uh, can you imagine the sway that you have when your posts are hitting two million people a day? Well, that's what I was thinking. You know, it's like so. Sure, there are certain celebrities and notable people who get a million easy every day, but <clears throat> for the operations that <clears throat> you and I do, I mean, I'm I'm sorry. I think Facebook should like say, hey. This people just hit a million today. I mean, that should be like something noteworthy. Uh, the power of copyright violation. Right. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we, we posted a video late Sunday night. It was a clip from the John Oliver show with, um, I want to make sure I get his name right. Let's see. It's Lynn Manuel Miranda. Uh, who is the executive producer, writer, director, and performer on the Broadway musical Hamilton that is apparently the most important show on Broadway right now. And he sang an amazing piece uh, about Puerto Rico that he wrote apparently very recently, and it was, uh, it was a very moving moment. And we posted it, and the next thing you knew, we I woke up yesterday morning with 300,000 people had seen it, and then by the end of the day, it was uh, 1.2 million when I went to bed at 10 o'clock at night, uh, right immediately following the, the Hawks' loss, because I went to bed sad. It, uh, it's amazing, man. I've never seen anything like that. I've never experienced anything where that many people were like, I mean, let's put it this way. No matter what else happened yesterday, 1.5 million people are now aware of the Chicago Podcast Network. Yeah, and, I mean, I've never hit anything nearly close to a million. I mean, I think in one day I've probably gotten 600 <laughs> views on, on a post or something, but nothing in the millions. So, so I mean, it was, it was really, really awesome. And then you're just watching it. It was weird. It was like watching the score of a sports game that had no game being played. Like, I'm literally sitting there at the house because I ended up, once I noticed what was happening, I was like, I'm not leaving the computer. I'm going to stay here and just keep posting stuff all day, try to keep this thing going. And I'm just sitting there like every 15 minutes, another 30,000 people, another 30,000 people, another 40,000 people. At one point, it jumped. I hadn't checked it in like 10 minutes, and I checked it, and it had gone up 60,000 people in 10 minutes. Like, that's, that's an insane amount of people. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that are factored onto that post, but I'm always intrigued of how many pages and posts that one gets. I mean, there's one page that I created on Facebook, and I haven't done anything to it, quite honestly. I haven't posted anything on it. Um, it's just sitting there, and it's already getting, like, 900 people to following that page with without even doing anything and it's like why i mean why this i mean it may have a catchy name to it 
but what's the name of that page so people can go to it even more if they're listening what what's the name of that page midwest socialists there it is well, maybe it's because people are now ready to embrace socialism, though not as much as they should be. Uh, I want to talk real quick, AJ, though, besides talking about what happened with us, the video itself, the piece that John Oliver did, you and I always like to talk about his long pieces, and this week was a story on Puerto Rico, and it was the kind of story that, uh, I, I'm going to be honest, I was unaware of until I watched the piece. Were you aware of the situations down there? I mean, I knew, I know of the situation in Puerto Rico. I mean, I'm not quite versed as to the whole nuances that Oliver was going into, and I mean, I mean, it's it it, it has opened my eyes to something that's going on down there, but I wasn't too surprised on it, only because that I've always found that Puerto Rico is nothing more than our nation's essentially tax shelter really yes and that's uh what i wanted to talk to you about the way that the story presented itself in the way of everything that happened uh starting in the middle of the 1900s there was tax policies put into place that allowed corporate entities to go into puerto rico and do business and to encourage them to stay in puerto rico they were given massive tax incentives uh to to stay down there and the lack of those payments uh, allowed businesses to stay open down there and do a lot more work, which is a good thing. They were bringing jobs and industry to the country, which is what I consider. I consider Puerto Rico another country. It's not a state. It's not a protectorate. It's another country that just happens to be under our political influence. It's, it's a weird place. It's, it's, it's an island country that doesn't really have its own sovereignty. It's a very strange thing. But these tax policies that were in place were eventually repealed under the Clinton administration, which caused businesses to flee, and they were no longer able to keep up with their tax bills. And now I think it's their own $70 billion to the United States government in back taxes and into creditors and things of those nature. And they're, you know, it, it, from the piece that we saw, it, it, it's dire straits right now for Puerto Rico, and John Oliver does what he does, which is just point shine a light on an issue that not a lot of people know about and hopefully gets something changed, and then brings it all together with Lynn, I'm sorry, Manuel Miranda uh, and his performance of uh, the Puerto Rico rap, I guess would be the lack of anything about to call it. And uh, hopefully that'll get some stuff moving in Congress, but I'm not overly hopeful, especially in an election year. Well, I mean, th- this is the thing. So, I mean, Puerto Rico is one of a few annexations that the United States has. And one of them is Puerto Rico. And here, here's the summary of that. In Puerto Rico, you can vote for the president of the United States. You can live in Puerto Rico. Residents of the United States can go to Puerto Rico without a passport, which is all gravy. But there is no representation in Congress at, at all with Puerto Rico. They're, they have delegates, just like the Virgin Islands, just like D.C., just like Guam, just like American Samoa, um, the Mariana Islands. All of them have delegates. They have no real representation in everything. So when the United States you know, took over Puerto Rico in the early 1900s and through various acts of Congress like the Four Acre Act which talked about Puerto Rican citizenship and there was the case of the Gonzalez v. Williams as well which is a U.S. Supreme Court decision about citizenship um, between that and what's going on down there is just essentially bankrupting Puerto Rico and I, that's why I still feel that we should Either pay them and then leave them alone or make them a nation. That's the only two ways about it. I, I, I want to very briefly touch on the idea, though, that we, we're currently right now in the middle of a presidential election here in the United States. And as you pointed out, uh, Puerto Rico has a representative, but they don't have any votes in Congress or in the Senate. And, you know, we're a country founded on tax, no taxation without representation. Puerto Rico does have their residents pay taxes, though there's a stat that you can find that says something up to 60% don't pay federal income taxes. 
they have all of the problems of statehood, but none of the benefits. And it's just a, a little, it, well, how did he describe it in the song? It's an island 100 miles across. Right. And that's what it is. It's a small island that's that's been left alone, and and businesses have been able to do what they want. Now, we have a, a conservative party, the Republican Party here in the United States, that constantly refers to the government as needing to be run like a business, which is the most insane, stupid thing I've ever heard. But they keep saying that. Well, here it is. This is what a country looks like. This is what an island or a state looks like when you let business interests control everything. Because the fact that they weren't able to pay taxes, they were never able to build up any sort of equity in their own uh, land, in their own country. And once those tax loopholes were gone, those businesses left because they had nothing invested in the community. It didn't mean anything, anything to them either way. And they're gone. And this little country, this little island, is sitting there suffering. And nobody seems motivated to do anything about it because there's no votes in doing anything about it. Exactly. You know, and that's why... You know, even though I'm not Puerto Rican, and there's things I can't really speak to, but what I guess what I can say about Puerto Rico is that, you know, this is the problem. You know, people use the word like imperialism, you know, this idea that, you know, we take over things for the sake of taking over things, and this is just one example of that. You know, I never really understood even learning it through high school and through college, why, <clears throat> well, I do know why from a militaristic standpoint, why we take over these islands. But outside of that, there is no other real purpose to have Puerto Rico and let them have their own life, let them define their own culture, let them have their own government. But other than that, we're just doing nothing more than bankrupting Puerto Rico, which in turn is going to come back to us financially. Doesn't it... This is where we start getting into the idea of government being run by people with no empathy or sympathy for other human beings or the disconnect between the 1% and everybody else. This is a fixable problem. I mean, that's the other thing that drives me nuts about it. It's a fixable problem. And... The fact that Congress, the Senate, even the president haven't really moved on this issue in so long as this problem's gotten to the point where now, I mean, look, as I said when we started talking about this, I was unaware of this issue until the other night. And I think that that's criminal that most of us aren't aware of this scenario. Now, I know that normally, you know, you hear a news story break and it's been reported for a while, but at least you've got like some ears on the ground somewhere it's being reported and i feel like to a lot of people myself included this puerto rican story is gonna is basically coming out of nowhere and i'm just wondering is this one of those instances man where you're looking at i'm telling you this election has done a lot of weird this presidential election done a lot of weird things that made me question a lot of stuff and one of them is the idea of media in collusion with political agendas because it behooved the businesses to not be paying those tax loopholes. Most media companies are owned by business moguls. Is the reason that we don't we never really heard about this story except in I'm assuming where you heard about it were third party websites or what people would consider to be extreme news websites or stuff like that. And did the media not really tell us about it because their bosses told them not to? No, I've heard it through commercials. Okay. Because, like, I remember the one commercial three months back, I want to say, four months back, and it was, um, it was in January. Now I remember. It was in January because I was still in Arizona, and then that came on, and I was kind of flummoxed on why they're using it as, like, a, a commercial because it's about a bill, you know, the bill of, you know, getting Puerto Rico now and essentially they're saying is, you know, you know, tell your congressman to vote against this bill to um, get Puerto Rico out of debt is what essentially said, you know, and when I looked further into it, you know, it's like, oh, so we have this little island, but we're going to tell congressmen and women 
to vote against a bill to get Puerto Rico out of debt because that makes sense. I don't know, man. I, I just it's it's become just an example of what I look at Puerto Rico and the things that I've read since the story Sunday night. It's just it's it looks like what happens when you allow conservatives to have complete control of a situation where they are literally looking to protect the bottom line of their businesses and screw over everybody else. That's of what course. it feels like to me. Of course. And, and it bothers me that you – and I'm not like, not like I'm mad at you for saying it, but it bothers me that the reaction to that amongst most people is, of course it is. And we accept that, and we just kind of roll with it, and everybody's cool with it. It's the hypocrisy of – I guess hypocrisy is not the right, right word. It's just this thing that keeps happening nowadays where we all know how bad situations are, and we're all just kind of like, yeah, what are you going to do about it? You know what I mean? Like, and it's it's not just you. It's not just me. It's everybody. We're all guilty of it now with everything because there's so much bad shit going on all the time. And finally, there comes a point where you're like, you know what? I can't. I can't do this anymore. I can't sit here and spend the next six months of my life thinking about this and doing something and having nothing get done because I'm not a person who has any power to do anything about it. And it, it just it, it keeps snowballing. It keeps becoming a bigger and bigger problem. And now. I don't know, man. Like, I look at Puerto Rico, which is a pretty solvable problem, and nobody's doing anything about it. It's it's just, I, I, I really do. I think that this presidential election is, is, is shaping up to be a much more important election than even ones in years past because in 2008, 2012, yes, the Internet was around in 08, and that's how Obama won his first election. Social media is in 2012. Republicans hadn't really used how to learn how to use that correctly. Still, in my opinion, haven't. Donald Trump has, but if you listen to the Republicans, he's not really a Republican. The fact that all this information is there all of the time, I sometimes wonder if it's just distraction through massive amounts of information that there's just so much available at any given time that you're not allowed to focus on one thing do you am i making any sense or i'm just rambling like a crazy person no i i mean you're right on all accounts you know there, there are a lot of issues that are not being told through the major media networks and our being us being fortunate, but it is also unfortunate that we have to hear it through outlets like Daily Show, um, This Week Tonight, um, Larry Wilmore Show, and a host of other places in order to get news. And even though they do satire, they also put out news at the same time. That's the only way we get the news, you know? Um, do you, you trust? Have, do you trust well, NBC News? Do you trust CBS? No, uh, ABC, because Fox? I mean, I have watched MSNBC since the start of the campaign, and you know they have like this. They have this formula as to you know their respective shows, what they're going to say. And it's the same damn thing. There is no movement on it. It's like, oh, we're going to go to you know Penn State University and our you know, correspond down there is going to talk to the students about Bernie Sanders and everything. Oh, now we're going to take him over to Temple University and see what Hillary's camp is doing and everything. Like, we know what they're doing. Now we're going to go to a golf course in Florida and interview an old white person about why they love Donald Trump. You know, I mean, why do we have to center ourselves around the spectacle called the presidential campaign while there's other news to be talked about. Well, again, you are from essentially five in the morning central time to about 9 p.m. central time devoted to the election. And that's it. You know, sure, you might have like Morning Joe on MSNBC talking about other news and then the last word with um, Lawrence O'Donnell and Maddow and Chris. Heinz talking about news things, but outside of that, it's nothing but the presidential campaign. You know, we are talking about the water crisis in Flint through the presidential campaign. We're talking about issues that Native Americans have been going through for centuries through the presidential campaign. We're talking about Sheriff Joe Apayo and his inhumane way 
of treating inmates in Maricopa County, Arizona, through the presidential campaign. We let's also uh, let's also throw in there because the, times. hold on. Let's also when you're talking about that sheriff Joe, how do you say his last name? Is it Joe, Sheriff Joe Apio? Okay, yeah, jackass. Um, <laughs> He's also the one who, when, I don't know, did you see the Samantha B story on untested rape kits? No, that's the one I missed. Okay, so she did an amazing story, and it was, one, again, another story that you just don't know about. Um, apparently, there are th- hundreds of thousands of rape kits that just sit in evidence lockers that are never tested. They do the kits, but they never test it because they never have a suspect to test it against. So right. they never do forensic testing on the evidence at all. And the problem with that is that there's a lot of people who are repeat offenders who probably could be identified by that. And then they interview Sheriff Joe Dipshit, and Sheriff Joe Dipshit looks at the camera and goes, well, a lot of instances of rape that we've found have been women who had consensual sex and changed their minds afterwards. At which point, I wanted to jump through the television and rip out Sheriff Joe Dipshit's throat. And then in the best of rock traditions, turn that son of a bitch sideways and stick it straight up his candy ass. But it's just that, yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there. If we're going to talk about that asshole, we should also throw that one into the mix with him. Continue. Well, no, I mean, and I think more to the point is, I don't know about you, but growing up, the only show I watched pre-Daily Show was Bill Maher's Politically Incorrect. Love that show. And that was the first time I even heard about Sheriff Joe Apio and Tent City and everything. He, Bill Maher did a show there in Tent City. You know, so this is the first time on national television that I'm seeing for the first time that this is a problem. But I had to watch that not... 2020, not, you know, uh, Brian Williams or anyone else, you know, I had to watch it through a comedian in order to do this. And what does that say about media that we know and love? You know, I know I have a, a person I know who's a journalist and works for NPR. And this person and I have always had conversations and debates about what a journalist is. And they're the opinion that, like, I'm not a journalist. I'm like, okay, so because I'm not paid through a major media network, I'm not a journalist. Because I feel that I put out adequate information out there. I don't become biased. There are moments I do become biased, but I use it as a disclaimer. But outside of that, I feel I am putting the information out there that the media is not doing you know so whether you're podcasting whether you're blogging whether you're doing it through storytelling whether whether you're out in the street corner it doesn't matter i mean everyone's getting their information elsewhere besides the major media networks and that's a problem it, it says a lot too that okay so the guy who i trusted most in media who wasn't a comedian Recently, I would argue was Brian Williams. I liked Brian Williams a lot. He struck up to what up to when I still do. I honestly, oh, really? okay. I, I, what, what happened with him? And, and you and I talked about it and got a little heated talking about it. Is, is much like the Andrew Shaw thing. Is much like a lot of other stuff where we have. And this goes back. Okay, I'm going to tell a funny story. When I was a kid, I had a thing. Where, and I wonder if this informs who I am as an adult now a lot. But if I was at school and a teacher gave me and said that the rule is this, I am the kid who always asked why. Why is that the rule? What happened to make that rule? And if they couldn't give me a decent enough answer, I ignored that rule as much as I could. Because to me, and I did it with my parents, and my dad and I used to fight about it all the time, because my whole thing has always been, if you're going to give me a rule, there has to be a reason for the rule. When I look at the laws of the country, if I say, Thou, you can't murder somebody, okay, that makes sense to me. Don't rape, don't steal, don't, these things make sense to me. But when you start getting into the idea of rules and, and, and punishment for stuff that we are just arbitrarily deciding on the fly as to what the punishment should be, I have a serious problem with that because you can make the punishment or the rule whatever you want at any given time. Brian Williams told the story accurately 10 times. 
He's told it incorrectly once. And as a result of that was taken off the anchor desk, a job he had worked his entire life to get. He was one of the most trusted men in news. And because of this thing happening, he is relegated, and you, they can cover it any way they want, but he is now relegated to MSNBC's election coverage with Rachel Maddow and a bunch of scrubs. Maddow's not a scrub. She's a heavy hitter, and she's actually, I don't know, were you a fan of her 10 years ago at all? Yeah, I, I, I have or at least aware of her. up to her. Well, 10 um, years ago when she started, I would, she was not nearly the broadcaster she is now. No. She's actually evolved into a hell of a broadcaster. I did not like her initially. I thought she was way too to the left, which coming from me sounds crazy, but... Like, much in the same complaint a lot of people have of Bill Maher where he's just running home his agenda, which doesn't bother me. It's just that if I don't agree with your agenda, I don't see a reason to keep listening. She was one of those people who mocked people a lot more on her radio show, but it's a radio show. It's a different deal. But now she's a serious journalist. She, she covers serious shit. But the rest of the people on MSNBC, would you agree, are like the B team of CNN? Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. During the New York primary, they had a guy on who looked like an intern, acted like an intern, and was doing the he, – he looked like he was in the, the Best Buy Geek Squad, and he was doing the, like, county numbers and everything. And it was like the camera angles they were using, the way they were filming it, it felt like you were watching the old show Mad Money, like the way they were doing it. Anyway. Right. Poor Brian Williams is now relegated to that desk away from everything. And I would argue NBC News is weaker because he's not there. Because, listen, Lester Holt's from Chicago. I love Lester Holt. But he doesn't have the gravitas of a nightly anchor. Would you agree? No. Local anchor, yes. National, no. Uh, in an interview, I don't trust Lester. I, I don't think Lester Holt's the kind of guy who would push for the interview the way that Brian Williams would. Which is no disrespect to Lester Holt. It's just... The way that they carry themselves is very different. And this election, I really wish Brian Williams was still on that nightly news desk because I feel like we'd be getting a better feeling of stuff. And it's just, now there's nobody left. There's nobody on any of the major news channels. Like, I don't trust Wolf Blitzer. Hi, I'm Wolf Blitzer. I'm here on CNN Newsroom in this giant lit-up room. Like, I just, I, I don't... CNN's news coverage is, is a joke. They, they're all graphics, and everything is breaking news 24 hours a day. I don't know how news can be breaking for 24 hours straight. I don't know how something can happen, and it can still be breaking news. I don't understand well, that. That's why, that's why I don't get I mean, just the other day I was watching MSNBC. It says, oh, we have breaking news on the campaign trail, and you're hoping it's like <laughs> – Kasich or Cruz or Trump is bowing now or Hillary or Bernie or something, right? Donald Trump fl- uh, tripped down a flight of stairs at his, at his Trump Tower and is now dead. You know, but the breaking news, the breaking news was that students were outside <laughs> holding a rally for Bernie. Oh, that's too bad. I thought you were just going to say that it was just breaking news. Students are standing outside. Back to you. No, I wish it was that, but there was a little bit of a layer to it. It would have been fine. It's just, I just like, like students are standing outside. Breaking news. CNN is now covering water wets. Back to you. Did you ever, did you ever watch Parks and Rec? Oh, Pert Halfley? Yes. I mean, I wish. <laughs> there was something he goes, he goes, breaking news. I just farted. Yeah. Another well, news. Is it the That's news what it's that like. it, hello the, the, the news that I am going to bring to you is the news that you are going to hear now. I love Pert Happily. <laughs> I, I just we, we've got this thing going on. We've got this election going on. You know, we just had the New York primary, and barring a miracle in California and a couple other states, I, 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 I mean, do you think Bernie's done? I think Bernie's done. Uh, there I, are. I mean, I, I'm I'm not saying I don't know because. I'm like in it for Bernie. I just really don't know because I, I, I watched part of Bernie's town hall and Hillary's town hall. And what was more prevalent for me is that you're looking at a person, Bernie Sanders, that is really truly wanted to do it through the convention and let the people at the convention, you know, have their voice. Right. Which a convention ought to be. 
Then you have Hillary, who is adamant. It's like, I don't know where these numbers are coming from, but I'm in the lead. What don't you understand? That's what it was for the first five minutes of her town hall. Was goes, I got 10 million votes. What's this run on that premise that I am in the lead? Which tells me more that, A, she's that controlling of a person, even more so. And, B, that she is really fearful that going to the convention that, yeah, delegates through the first vote are going to be pledged. But then that second round of votes, she's little leery on. And I would, too. Well, no, if you're Hillary Clinton, you can't let it go to a second ballot. Because if you give, at a Democratic convention, if there's a sliver of hope to people that Bernie Sanders can swing the nomination back in his favor in that kind of setting where people are willing. Here's what I think it comes down to. Uh, And now we'll get into your favorite thing to do when it comes to politics, which is use my wrestling fandom to show like what we can do. Two guys go out to the ring. Okay. One is gallows. (laughs) One is Shawn Michaels. Okay. Okay. One is stone cold, Steve Austin, and they stand in the ring and they have microphones in their hand. Now, you look at those two in the ring, and every person in the arena knows Shawn Michaels is the better wrestler, like just from a performance standpoint, right? He's not even a question. In the ring, moving, there's nobody better in history probably than Shawn Michaels. But if you want to sell tickets, if you want people fired up and inspired to give you, in wrestling terms, your money, in in politics, your vote, who's going to win the crowd that night? It's going to be Stone Cold. No matter what qualifications Shawn Michaels has as to be the greatest performer of all time, people love the Austin character more because it's who they identify with. He's got the ability to fire up the crowd. Now, take that idea and apply it to the Democratic convention. Hillary Clinton is who your brain says you should nominate because your brain says... She's got the experience, former Secretary of State. She's wanted this for a long time. Her husband used to be president. She knows what it's like to be in the White House. She's a hell of a campaigner, and she'll probably wipe the floor with whoever the Republican candidate is. That's what your brain tells you. But your heart, that I think most liberals really have buried deep in there, is that, I don't know about you, you especially, you don't have it buried. It's out on your sleeve that you're in for socialism. I think most liberals are a lot more socialist than they're even willing to admit to themselves. And it becomes this thing of, like, if he can get up on stage and motivate these group of people to vote for him in, an, in a contested thing, man, that's that's cra- Like, I think he could do it on the floor. I think he could win a second ballot. Don't you? But, so, what's wrong on that metaphor? Stone Cold. Wrestling, and, okay? okay. So, it's not more... Shawn Michaels versus Stone Cold, honestly, between Bernie and Hillary, it's more like Brock Lesnar and Undertaker. Okay. Because, you know, they're both going to sell the crowd. You know, you have two heavy-hitting people, Bernie and Hillary, right? Mm -hmm. And even though you have Hillary being Brock Lesnar, who pound for pound is going to beat the living shit out of you, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's no if, ands, or buts about it. Yes, what, what you have that he wants have, is now his. What's that? What you have and Brock Lesnar wants is now his. Exactly. But you have Undertaker, who's been there at WrestleMania, who's there 40 and 0, 50 and 0, whatever his record is. You know what I mean? Well, he has that one. So going in. You know, he's the main event, no matter what the situation is. You know, he doesn't have to show up to payback or anything else on Raw or SmackDown. He is automatically in WrestleMania because they want to see The Undertaker. They want to see Bernie Sanders. And so even though Hillary may take something away from Bernie Sanders, there's still that chance that Bernie Sanders is going to do his classic moves and tombstone Hillary Clinton that's what Hillary's afraid of because she knows that he knows he can still do that well if he stays all the way into the convention and I I honestly do think that the best shot he's got doing anything and it hasn't really changed much 
is California. I mean, California is the kind of thing where he can overtake her in the basic delegate count because even as of right now, it's still, what, like 300 delegates separate them or something like that? Like yeah. actual delegates. I'm not counting super delegates. And I, I think it's BS that they, again, we've talked about this before, but the fact that they even count the delegates, the super delegates for one candidate or the other before the thing comes up is is, is ridiculous. But here we are, and, and we're looking at it. I'm just trying to pull up the numbers right now as we talk because nothing is more exciting than live Googling. Um, let's see, delegates one. Yeah, it's 1153 to 1428. It's what, 300? Yeah. California's 225. Assume that Bernie's going to win a couple more tonight. And I, I don't know, man. Let's see. What's, tonight is Pennsylvania, right? That's the big one tonight? It's, well, the big one's Pennsylvania as well as there's Maryland. Rhode um, Island. Delaware, uh, Rhode Island. So it's pretty much that mid-Atlantic slash New England states right there. I, I, I think that if, if, the, if there's a big upset in Pennsylvania – which is possible for Bernie, you're looking at, on the Democratic side, a hell of a finish. But the cool thing about, not the cool thing, the difference between Democrats and Republicans is this, is that there's no unholy alliance. There's no, meanwhile, at the Legion of Doom going on. And I wanted to, before we get out of here today, AJ, I wanted to get into the Legion of Doom that's formed, and not the Wrestling Legion of Doom, the Super Friends Legion of Doom, that is Ted... Or Ted Cruz and John Casey. I was literally about to happen. To Ted Cruz and Ted DV. (laughs) See what you've done? And John Kasich, who, I mean, let's, but who's the million dollar man in all this is Donald Trump. I just, that's fair. Um, They've, what are they doing? Have they, as I understand it, they've basically surrendered states to each other. No, so the way I'm understanding is this. So uh, some secret meeting, some secret Skype session, I don't know. Either Ted and John themselves or their people with they them did in the not room speak. or whatever. You no, know they did not speak to each other. Well, something happened. And what that happened was that to have this coalition in order for to mathematically get not to have Trump get the votes that he needs for like Indiana and other states. So they formed this coalition saying, you know what, like Indiana, we'll, we'll divide up Indiana ourselves. You know, I know Ted, you'll take Indianapolis in the North, John, you can take Bloomington and elsewhere. Um, but we need to make sure Indiana is not the, one thing that Donald Trump has on us, as well as some other states. That's what my understanding is, but, like, today, both of them are, like, in denial of, like, this has ever happened. Meanwhile, no, I just, it's... No, that's what it is. It is, meanwhile, because then you have Trump, you know, on his old Twitter rage, and he's like, these guys are stupid, and they are stupid. (laughs) You know, it's just... But they're not stupid about stopping you, you arrogant, hairpiece-wearing, tiny-handed blowhard. But the thing is, both John Kasich and Ted Cruz, along with the media, are literally saying that Indiana is going to be Trump's Waterloo. Okay. Indiana. Our neighbor to the east. You mean the birthplace of the Klan? Well, the birthplace of the Klan was in Tennessee. I thought the birthplace of the Klan was in southern Indiana. Wasn't that no. where the first Grand Wizard was lived? Or is that the modern Klan was born in Indiana? The modern Klan. Right. Well, I mean, let's not. Klan, no matter what. There's a, there, Listen, are we in agreement that there is a strong Klan presence in southern Indiana? Oh, absolutely. Okay, then that's all that really matters, isn't it? Does it matter where it starts at that point? Kind of does, but that's here nor there. I'm just saying, because that, that, listen, what we've learned from this presidential election is that Donald Trump needs to know more about the Klan before he can make a ruling on them. I know, right? I don't know David Duke. Yeah, I, I know David Duke. David Duke. I never know David Duke. Flash, and then they do the flash 10 years earlier. David Duke is a racist and a pig. Like, 
for oh, the record, David Duke. I thought you meant David Duke, my butler. For, for the record, I am when when people point that that hypocrisy out of his. I don't think it's hypocrisy. I honestly believe that Donald Trump 2016 does not remember what happened to Donald Trump in 2005. I don't think Donald Trump even remembers prior to The Apprentice. Yeah, no, I, I don't think he remembers the previous season of The Apprentice. I think if somebody came up to him tomorrow and said, what do you think about Omarosa saying that you shouldn't be president? He'd be like, I'm a who. And it wouldn't be like a lie. Like He would no, not know who that person was. I don't think that's the thing with Trump that 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 that's starting to scare me even more. I do not believe that Donald Trump is a liar. I don't. I don't believe that he lies. I believe that at any moment when he is speaking, he absolutely one hundred percent believes what he's saying is true. It do just, you recall another person like that? No. Go ahead, enlighten me. Bush. Oh, what was the great Colbert line? Um, George Bush. Can will believe what was it? George Bush will say that he doesn't believe what he said on Monday, but he will believe it on Wednesday. But on Tuesday, it doesn't matter what will happen on Monday or what happened or will happen on Monday or Wednesday. Right. Is that it? Do conservative voters just like voting for people who aren't entirely sure what they actually think? Not these conservative voters. <sighs> is that who this is? Is that who the Trump supporters are? Are they the people who still support George Bush and don't think that he did anything of course wrong? It. Is that of you, course you think? Be. I don't know. The, the, they're by the grace of God, go I people. Well, there might be some of them, but no, these are people who believe that you know Bush was right the first time around, and you know he can't do no wrong. <sighs> I want to. I mean, this is. I mean, honestly, I can say for certainty, if if big if we have Emperor, and that's what's going to be Emperor Trump, future glorious leader, that he's going to be worse than Bush. And I and I know at some point I'm going to say Bush looks good. Bush looks good now. I know, right? If George W. Bush came out and said, uh, "I'm going to just run for a third term," and it, I, I would vote for him for the Republican nomination in the Illinois primary. Just for the nomination. Ju- not to be president. I'm not insane. But <laughs> just to stop this. I don't like John Ke- Like Everyone keeps doing this. They're like, well, Trump can't be president because he's Trump. Cruz is a religious lunatic, so he can't be president. And I was like, but Kasich seems reasonable. And that's the shit that scares me because Kasich is not reasonable. He is a bought and paid for establishment conservative that guys like you and I have spent our lifetime trying to tell our friends that why they can't vote Republican like their parents. Right. And, and, and I'm scared of that guy because he can do a lot more damage than people realize. And, again, I, they're just the three issues, man. If you, if you want women's rights, if you feel that gay people have the rights to be treated like human beings, and if you'd like it if we didn't treat all immigrants like the foreign devils that we're apparently trying to do, if you want those three things, you can't vote conservative. You just can't. I don't care how much you care about fiscal responsibility, which also conservatives have shown that they don't really have, unless you're insanely wealthy. It's, it's just this unending thing. And then I look at the Democratic side, and it's just like, but then there's Hillary, and I'm sorry, I am. Not, you're a, you're a pretty liberal guy. You're a self socialist. You've got all of that. You're a member of the Socialist Party. If the election were tomorrow, are you excited to vote for Hillary Clinton? Assuming that's yeah. who you would vote for. No. But you would, right, to stop the other no. side. Oh, you wouldn't. No. Oh, on on the general election day. Yeah. No. Okay. No. Not excited or won't vote for her? I, I, either. Both. Okay. All of the above. <laughs> Why won't... I, I'm just... Are you going to vote a third-party candidate? Because that's what you... I will. I'll be voting third-party. Are you going to be voting for Mimi... Uh, I, I can't remember her last name. The socialist candidate? Well, which one? We mean, well, there's... Well, the one that you, the one that you interviewed. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm blanking on Oh, her. Mimi Solstic? Yeah. Well, see, unfortunately, I know he won't be on the ballot. Okay. Um, but I do know Dr. Jill Stein from the Green Party will be on the ballot. Um, there will be someone from the Libertarian Party on the ballot. 
So, you know, if if it's one of those two, it's going to be one of those two. We uh we got a big thing tonight. We're looking ahead to California in June. AJ, do you see any possibility of it being a Sanders Kasich ticket, or do you think that at this point, barring something crazy at the Republican and Democratic convention, it's going to be Hillary and Trump? Right? Like, I mean, barring something crazy happening, right? That's what it it's what it's lining up to be. Well, I think it's going to be Trump for certain. Um, I think, you know, if mathematically speaking, yeah, it's going to be Hillary um, at the end of the day. But like I said before, if, you know, if Bernie goes through the convention, goes to the convention in Philly, then um, Hillary better hope that she gets all of her first round votes in for her. Yeah. Because it will be interesting. All right, before you go, I want to play you this clip. Um, this is, again, I've been thinking a lot about this lately as, as this election season has rolled on. This is George Carlin being interviewed, um, talking about the illusion of choice. I want to play it, react to it, and then we'll end the show. Is that all right with you? I love it. All right. The thing about this country is if, if they, we, they, they talk about how we have freedom of choice. Uh-huh. You know, we have freedom of choice. Yeah. Uh, very limited. If it's an important thing, limited choice. Uh, two political parties, essentially two. Uh, big media companies, five, mm-hmm. six, max. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oil companies down to three now. I think mm-hmm. overall three or four. Uh, banks, the big banks, the big brokerage houses, the big accounting firms. All of the things that are important reduced in choice. Mm. Newspapers in a city, how many? Used to be three, four. Now it's one or two. They're owned by the same people, and they also own a radio station right. and a TV station. <laughs> but jelly beans, 32 yeah. flavors. Yeah. Ice cream, all the things that don't matter. The, the unimportant things, a lot of choices. Yeah. And you know what I say? You, you, cho- you know what your freedom of choice is in America? Paper or plastic. Yeah. That's it, man. It comes down to paper or plastic, <laughs> cash or charge, aisle or window, smoking or non-smoking, yeah. Coke or Pepsi. These are your choices. <laughs> Everything else is kind of laid out for you. You get to do what they really want. They do what they want. The yeah. ones who own this country, they do what they want. Speaking of our choices being usurped or, or, or taken away from us, mm. what do you make of what? And, and I'm, I'm fascinated to ask you this because all the things that you've been talking about for years. Mm-hmm. Are, I mean, we've come full circle on this stuff. And that's why I was so fascinated, and thank you for coming on the program. Sure. But here we are now, you know, 30 years after you were talking about mm-hmm. it, with this huge debate, this huge fight about whether or not our civil liberties are being taken away from yeah. us. What, what's, what, what are your thoughts on... Well, I think if you looked at, at the record of um, laws which have been passed in the last 30 to 40 years, there's a thing called social hysteria. Mm-hmm. Social hysteria is whipped up generally by the media. Uh, crime. In Nixon's time, crime was the big social hysteria issue. Well, there's too much crime. There's, we're, we're, they're coddling the courts. or coddling the criminals. We have to p- tougher laws. So a lot of civil liberties went away in terms of um, the rights of criminals and the rights of the accused and, and the people going on trial. These, these were li- limited. They were cut down. These rights, which are guaranteed by the Constitution in the Bill of Rights. Uh, another social hysteria, drugs. The drug thing happened, same thing. Uh, big, big flow of drugs, we're going to fight the drugs, we need newer, tougher laws, we need draconian sentences, we need to be able to go into houses, we need to be able to do this, we have reasonable, reason, you know, all of these, all of these shortcuts have, have resulted in less liberties because of social hysteria. The media whips up the frenzy, people get all excited, mm-hmm. the legislature passes it, the president's, the executive signs it, and the judges then, the, ju- the uh, judicial branch okays it sometime later when it gets to them. Mm-hmm. And, and what has happened is you have less freedom, less liberties, less civil liberties, less rights. And the third social hysteria is terrorism. That, that was whipped up. Now, there's, it's a little, probably a little more cause there. You look at the, the 9-11, it's a very dramatic event. Mm-hmm. But that, too, has been used to, with, to, with this Patriot Act to reduce our liberties. They say, well, if you have nothing to hide, what are you worried about? You know that? That whole argument? Oh, yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah, you ask, tell me about the people that are, you know, just getting out of prison because of the DNA. If they got not, mm-hmm. had nothing to hide. Uh, it's, it's just, listen, th- this country is, is owned by the ownership class. They do pretty much what they want. I figure it's like a freak show. Here's what I do. You know what I do? To me, if you're born in the world, yeah. you get a ticket to the freak show. They get a ticket to the freak show. If you're born in America, you got a front row seat. George Carlin talking about the illusion of choice. I love that bit. 
Yeah. Um, he's not wrong. No, and that's the thing. It's like I, I have nothing else to say because he said it himself. I mean. The, the wordsmith that he was. I just and, – and this election, I think – I always love referring to him because it would piss him off if he was alive. I always love referring to Carlin as the great prophet of the 20th century because he saw all this stuff coming and he he told you about it. He warned you about it. And then if you – did you ever watch his last special on HBO? I think it's called Life is Worth Losing. I think so, yeah. Where yeah, it's yeah, not funny. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not a funny special. If you guys go back and watch it, it's his one special that I would argue is not funny. He's just angry. And I think he's angry because he's disappointed. And I've, and I, as this election season goes on, as we see all these stories, the Puerto Rican story that we started the show with, I mean, we've done 50 minutes today, AJ, on the presidential election on Puerto Rico. We haven't even meth- mentioned Syrian, Middle Eastern refugees who are dying on the borders of Greece and Turkey because they can't get food because nobody knows what to do with them because nobody wants to deal with them because out of the hundreds of thousands of people that are coming in, there may be one terrorist in the group. And it's constantly just fear being driven into you. I read an article today that there's a big thing online. Did you know that there's a, there's a group of people who believe that Sandy Hook, the shooting at the elementary school, didn't happen? Of course there is. Of course there is people like that. I, it, it's just you, you get to this point and all this stuff, and none of it's reported, none of it's shared. You see those things on Facebook while the media was distracting you with this story, all this happened, you go, even the stuff that you think they distracted us from is not important and compared to the fact that human lives are just being ended on the borders of countries in Europe, and nobody seems to give a shit. And in the meantime, we're talking about a hairpiece of religious nut a business crawling crazy person, a woman who's so power hungry that she is now bad mouthing this sweet old man from Vermont, who, for the record, is a sweet old man from Vermont who is called a lunatic because he legitimately wants to help people. That's the world that we find ourselves living in. There is no choice anymore. And honestly, if I was a Republican supporter of Donald Trump and they're talking about doing everything they're doing to limit him, I would be pissed. I'm not, and I don't think that Donald Trump should be president, but if you were one of his supporters, how pissed would you be right now that they're just taking away your vote and they're going, you don't count because clearly you're too stupid to do it. The, the whole thing, and you look at the whole world as a whole, man, and I'm just getting, I'm turning into him. I'm turning into Carlin as I get older. I'm just like, this This whole thing is stupid. Like, why even be emotionally invested in any of it anymore? And the only reason I keep going for it, and I keep, reaffirming my belief in humanity is because of Jean-Luc Picard. And I swear to God, that's that excuse of a fictional character is running thin. No, and it, and I've been telling people this lately, is that, you know, that I had one person tell me that why am I either so passionate or I just look angry <clears throat> when... I'm talking about issues and stuff like that is the only reason for that is that I feel like I am the only person who's talking about issues. I feel like I'm the only person trying to make change. And while everyone else around me is just saying, that's just the way it is, you know, just mind your business. And you look at them and you go, the way it is, is the worst argument in human history. It's the it worst argument in human history. It, it, it's it's the, That's just the way it is. You know what? The way it is sucks most of the time. And shouldn't we constantly be striving to do something a little bit better? And that's the thing, you know. Um, no, it's huge. So the one thing I think I, I, I would like to end on is, <clears throat> so this past Sunday, um, the comedian, one of my favorite comedians, um, W. Kwame Bell, he is doing a whole series on CNN called the United Shades of America. And he's actually going to places around the United States to actually have conversations with people to better understand them. His pilot episode, his pilot episode, and if you don't know, based off the name, W. Cuomo Bell is black. His pilot episode was talking with the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, and he had interviewed with three of them. And 
he was even asked to participate in a not a cross burning but a cross lighting ceremony. That's and watching that entire episode one, it just really once again embroiled my hatred towards the KKK and neo Nazis. But he said something at the very end, you know, that he's actually watching this cross being burned and that he feels lucky because unlike the people before him who saw that cross being burned, he actually can walk away. Now, my point in saying all this is this. I believe that there is change coming upon us, but when you still have organizations like the Ku Klux Klan, the Knights of the Ku Klux Klan, wherever you want to call yourself, whenever you have the Donald Trumps of the world, whenever you have the Hillary Clintons of the world, that are still out there constricting the very progress that we need to have when it comes to our economy, the environment, and society. And if you're just saying that's just the way it is, then you are being more of the problem. And while you are just going with the flow and that's just the way it is, all of us who are doing this kind of work through podcasting, through blogging, through organizing, through storytelling, through the arts, whatever it is, we are hurting because we are busting our asses to make the effective change while you just point and laugh at us. And I think that is more of a problem along with the media not doing their job while we're doing this kind of work. Well, but wouldn't you also agree that I, the people who would point at guys like you and me with our liberal agenda and say that we're pie-in-the-sky idealists or whatever and the way it is, and I, and I, would, it, I don't mind if someone disagrees with me. I don't care if they disagree with me on every policy that I have, but live your, dis, live your disagreement. Fight for what you believe in a little bit. If you disagree with me and AJ, you don't got to even confront us, but go out and do your own thing. Get your message out there. It's the people who constantly sit on the sidelines and the people who say, I don't talk politics or I don't talk religion or I don't talk about the economy. And, and you look at them and you go, then how do you learn anything? Even if you're two people who completely disagree on a lot of stuff, be willing to have a conversation at the very least. Would you agree? No, I agree. In part of, you know, if you're sitting on the sidelines, then yeah. But I also, I, I don't mind disagreeing with somebody, but I also have a problem with people who feel that trying to change the system or reform the system as a way of making those changes is more of a fool's errand than anything else. So, I don't know. If I'm going to end on anything, it's going to be this, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, as I said when I played the clip, it's just been playing in my mind a lot more. And I am uh, very sad that George Carlin is not alive to cover the <laughs> Donald Trump candidacy. He's glad he's not alive. Yeah, he's glad. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> are you kidding? But it's just one of those things where I would say right now, folks, if you're looking for something, to, like a different way to think about some of this stuff, uh, AJ, you know, mentioned his comedian. I would simply say this: go on YouTube and just type in Carlin, and literally hit play on any video, and let them just keep running in your desk or at home for about an hour. And if you don't come away with that with at least a little bit of passion for something, uh, then you probably have no soul. AJ, say goodbye to the people. Bye, people. That was AJ Zagneri. I am Nick Sarantos. This was Out Front on the Chicago Podcast Network. Thank you, everybody, for helping us get to a million uh, reaches yesterday. We got 100,000 people engaged yesterday. Uh, we're hoping that this is like the start of something even bigger and better for all of us here at the Chicago Podcast Network, which means it's the start of something bigger and better for all of you who listen, because as we become popular, you can become that asshole who goes to the party goes, I was listening to that before it was popular. And we hope that you can be 
that person. But make sure you let your friends be those people as well so you can walk in collectively as a group and say, we were listening to Out Front of the Chicago Podcast Network before it was cool. Together, collectively, as a unit, as an Avengers-like group. I was going to go with Justice League, but those movies are going to suck, so we'll stay with Avengers. Uh, other than that, ladies and gentlemen, you can find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network. Find us on Twitter, Chi-Town Podcast 1. You can find us, if I find us, I mean email us, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. I swear to God, if you email me, I will respond to you. I will sit there and talk about you lovingly, even if you're one of these weird people who thinks that Sandy Hook Elementary didn't actually happen because you're an evil, sadistic bastard who spent way too much time watching uh, devil-worshipping shows like, I don't know, Pee Wee's Playhouse. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we will talk to you guys later. We out! 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. You have been listening to the Chicago Podcast Network.